So, uh, good uh, evening, uh, good morning, or good day, wherever you are. Uh, welcome to the Skits Up podcast. Today, we have a very interesting podcast because today we are truly an international podcast because uh, we have a guest from uh, the very far th away parts of South Africa. So that'll be awesome. So um, first, let's uh, start with our usual welcomes. So Mr. Wins, uh, say hi. How's it going, eh? Nice. And uh, as I promised, we have a uh, very nice guest all the way from uh, South Africa. Uh, we have Paul Demmer. He's uh, the owner of uh, Goblin Hobbies. So, Paul, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, much appreciated. Awesome. So, um, so I think that I will go quickly. Um, I don't actually have too many updates, but usually what we do, Paul, we go through a short round of updates. So I think that will will get you as well into that. So basically, we're gonna just go a quick round robin, stating you know what we've done in the past couple of weeks or so. So um, let's get started, Mister Wins. What's been up in those uh, northern Canadian uh, frigid uh, parts of the world? <laughs> Oh, to be honest, not a whole lot. We got snow today, but otherwise, I actually had the opportunity to get out to the field on Saturday with the goal of doing a bunch of flying. I'm sad to report that I went all the way out to the field and didn't fly my helicopters. Why? It was absolutely howling with wind and really cold. And my fingers just couldn't handle it. Uh. <laughs> One of my buddies, he tried to, he actually did try to go and do a flight and he couldn't even make it a full flight. His fingers were hurting so bad. Wow. So we ended up doing a bunch of maintenance around the, around the runway and whatnot. And that's pretty much it for that. I did do some indoor flying and crashed my Oxy 2. And haven't actually touched it now until today. Okay. My Oxy 2, it flies great, but I've been having a little bit of issue with it. It flies as if it's, it flies as if the center of gravity is off. When you, when I do pirouettes with it, it just always wobbles and starts hmm. to go off in a, in a direction all on a regular basis. Not like it should, you know. It doesn't seem to want to just pirouette nice and flat all the time. Have you uh, have you hovered it, and does it drift to a certain nope. side? In in a hover, it sits solid. Hmm. It's only in a pirouette that it, or it's only when I'm adjust, moving the tail. So if I'm just doing straightforward flight, it does it. It doesn't act quite right either. It almost acts as if there's a bit of aileron or aileron given into it somewhere and i it doesn't make sense it's really weird so i've had a couple conversations with a few people about it and we're wondering whether maybe there's something weird within i've that's the one of the that's the only aircraft i have that's got a, a brain in it that's got a micro brain too in it you brain too and so i've decided to pull the u brain off of there and I have a spare V-bar Neo, so I'm going to try and stick the Neo on there. The only catch is, of course, is those micro servos have those stupid little micro servo connectors on them. And the Neo 
reg uses a regular servo connector. So now I got to go and either order some adapters or crimp on some new servo connectors, which to be honest, I didn't really feel like doing. I have everything I need to go and crimp on new connectors, but I just don't really feel like it. it's a whole lot of work. Right. <laughs> and right. I'm being lazy. And I got I'm... indoor I got indoor flying this Friday. We we record on a Tuesday and I got indoor flying on Friday. So if I'm going to do this, I better do it now. And to be honest, if I order parts, they're not going to get in time for get yeah. here in time for indoor. Yeah. So yeah, sounds like you're going to have to crimp, although the way you describe it doesn't sound like it's a center of gravity issue or probably even a flyby issue. It sounds more like something's bent. But, well, um, thing but is, it's done this literally since day one. Like, this thing has always done this right from the get-go, right from day one it has done this. And I've just always just flown around it and never bothered with it. But I'd like to see this here. I'd like to see if I can actually get it to fly right. Because my buddies, I've got three other friends with Oxy2s, four other friends with Oxy2s. And theirs all fly really well. Theirs fly far better than mine does in that way. I mean, I can still do everything I normally do with it. It just, It's just a little more difficult to do it, right? Right. And so I'd like to go and see if I can figure out what's actually causing it. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Another nut. Uh, it, it's really been quite dry and boring for me out here. I really haven't been able to do a whole lot else, really. So that's pretty, pretty pitiful <laughs> update, well, to be honest. But oh well. it's it's much better than my update. <laughs> yeah, uh, because I haven't done absolutely anything on the hobby. Wow, so, aren't we? We're we're supposed to be an RC helicopter podcast, you know. I know, I know, but you know, it's just been, you know, it's just been busy life. You know, um, I've had um, you know, I manage some um computer systems, and uh, you know, pretty big computer systems on on several plants, and uh, the the building where where the actual server hardware is hosted. You know, the company found a better deal on another business, on, on another, uh, on another facility. So we migrated our servers to another facility. So basically it was like two weekends that I had to work to make sure that, that everything happened properly and that everything moved accordingly and to do all the tests and yada, yada. And then there was an emergency at one of the plants. So one of the weekends that I had to work on that after that weekend on Monday, I had to fly out to Kansas. To, to take care of, of that. So it, it was just busy, man. It was just, uh, it's, it's not usual for me that it gets that busy, to be honest, because my systems are, uh, the systems that I manage are very old systems. You know, we're talking mainframe systems, AS400 systems, you know, very old technology that, you know, has, has been there for so long that, you know, everything that should happen to it has already happened, <laughs> you know, so, so it's, it's very stable. You know, it's, it's, it's very stable. Every so often something happens, you know, we have the emergency that takes us a while to figure out, but it's rare, you know, systems are pretty much stable. So it's rare that, that, that things pile up, but you know, it just all happens that when it rains, it pours, right? So there was a lot of, um, there was just a lot of work, uh, on my side. I just have, 
had a lot going on 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 work so i i didn't have time for anything because you know my usual time to fly is uh saturday mornings so i just wake up a little bit early and go down to the basement and fire up the uh, nano s2 but you know working working over the weekends you know i just couldn't do it so um so 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 it's been pretty sad on the hobby on that side you know i could have purchased parts for for the raw to at least uh, you know have some kind of hobby story but unfortunately no one seems to have purchased my book so so Ooh. so i haven't been able to 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 purchase parts so so if you're listening to the to this podcast and you want to hear uh something else and sats than a sad story of me not flying or doing anything on the hobby go ahead and purchase the book purchase my book the end of it all you know it's available on amazon ibooks kobo wherever you get your ebooks from and get it uh, it's uh, 4.99 it's a very small uh very small price and i hope you enjoy the book you know i i spent a, uh, a pretty good effort doing it so and i'm i'm very proud of it to be honest i i really liked it and it's uh, very uh i don't know it's very gratifying that uh, something that you spent that much work in is finally made a reality you know actually publishing something so that was pretty cool so regardless you know it's 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 something cool for me to publish it but you know, but if you guys um, wanna wanna speed up my raw to at least pull it up in the inside and test it out, you know, go ahead and buy it. I promise that that all the uh, all the proceedings from that book will go straight to my helicopter addiction. So, <laughs> and I can attest, you know, I I was fortunate to get a pre-release copy of it, and it's actually a pretty good story. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, 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 I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I have, uh, and I actually have two more that I'm writing. Well, one is practically complete. I'm just waiting for a bit to, you know, to do the rest of it, you know, to do the cover and the little details that I need to finish publishing it. But I want, you know, the first one to be around for a few months. And, uh, yeah. then, I'm, then there's also another one that I'm in the middle of writing. So, um, that's kind of like a secondary hobby that I've, that I've picked up. Cool. So, any actual yeah. RC Heli stuff? No, actually, I should I should write one like that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but you know what I've been doing is uh is consuming a little bit of 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 YouTube content regarding how to make better videos, and I'm thinking about making uh you know a tips and tricks video for the Blade Nano S2 after I rebuilt it after I cra- I finally crashed in enough to break something and and fix it so i'm planning to do kind of like a video so i've been consuming some some videos on how to do like better shots how to make better thumbnails how to make better better titles you know everything to make overall a a better video that might get more views so i'm gonna experiment with that a little bit also and uh, and find out if i can do that because there's there's a there's a lot of cool things to do so I'll 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 probably do that as well. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I just remembered. I do have one other update too. But finish off what you're saying. Uh that was it. That was that was it for me. Okay. I did get something. I forgot about this. I uh, I got my scale parts. Oh, nice! And how much yep. was it? Twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> Just about yes, <laughs> they were actually quite expensive, far more than I was expecting. But that's okay. But it is what it is. But yeah, so I now have all of the 
replacement windows and landing gear for my scale helicopter. And they are actually in my in my house. So it's now just left up to me to actually go and fix it and get it flying again. So, which will probably still take a few months because I got to do some fiberglass repair and repainting and go through all the mechanics and whatnot too. I'm still, still undecided what I want to do with the five blade head stuff yet. But other than that, at the very least, I can always go through a two blade head on it. So. I just got to fix the mechanics and start working on the fiberglass. And then I can go and put the new windows in and the new landing gear in and get it repainted. And then it'll hopefully be flying again this, this, this year. So we'll see. Not sure how fast it'll get done, but I'm going to at least to try and work on it anyways. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That, that's, that's, that's a pretty good update, man. I mean, that's, that yeah. that uh, that that was the crown jewel. <laughs> That's a pretty sad jewel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll 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 take what I can get. Man, are we ever sad this month? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But it'll ramp up. It'll ramp up, especially when when warm weather comes and you know we start going out to events and stuff. So I think that that'll be good. Hey, you guys, you guys going to the best place on Earth? Disney World? Uh, close, but no. Uh, indoor RC car meet? Safety first, guys. What the? Do you guys even hobby, bro? No. Oh, you mean RCHO Chill Out 2023. Now we're talking. You know, hotels are close by, and there are a limited number of camping spots, so be sure to communicate with Jay and Rodney. And don't forget, Juan's world-famous Tiscala is absolutely one of the best fun fly dinners you'll ever have. I will be representing Maniacs, but many sponsors usually attend and sponsor this event who believe in what Jay and their crew do at RCHO. Speaking of sponsors, there will be some great pilots attending, such as Chris Diamante, Ting Yang Ming, Devin McClellan, just to name a few. But as always, Jay has something up his sleeve to spice up the fun. It may be a small field, but guarantee it will be loads of fun. If you have questions, contact Jay Treadway at j.jaytechserv at gmail.com for additional information. So make sure you come to RCHO Chillout 2023 in Nightsdale, North Carolina, February 24th through 26th, one of the best coordinated fun flights. See you guys there. Laters. Take care. Well, Paul, hopefully you got a better update of what how how things have been going with you lately. Well, so I spent a lot of time in Dubai with Eric the last month, so that was pretty exciting. There's never a dull moment, shall I say, when you're spending time with Eric. And uh, I just got back home, in fact, on Friday. So... The first day is normally a bit of a jet lag, unwinding. And um, we had our club AGM on Saturday, so we had a bit of that, um, which turned out pretty well. And it was very windy, though. We had some heavy winds, so it just wasn't really flyable. But I stuck one flight in. And yesterday, 
I actually went to go fly. It was a beautiful day. It's been really hot here. Um, it's, you know, we're talking 35, 38 so degrees Celsius. So that's it's quite hot here. Yeah. That's and we also hot. got some good news from Mercado, in fact. Talk about uh, suppliers. They're actually ready to ship our goods. Finally, we're going to be getting uh, BBC Touches and Neos back in stock. You know, it's been a long wait. I think everybody around the world's been waiting extremely long for this product to finally be back on the market and looks like they're ready to ship our goods. So I got on the phone and started notifying the customers and everybody's jumping up and down and can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. So is that the new Evo series of transmitter and Neos? Yes, that'll be the Evo. Nice. Now, I think I think uh, you guys are waiting for the FCC version, so we can still use the CE. So my understanding is that the CE has been approved. That's why the European markets and the rest of the world can get their supply. Um, America's still waiting for the FCC approval. So that's why you guys are still probably waiting. Yes. Actually, so Javier is in the U.S. I'm actually in Canada. And here in Canada, we usually get ours, our approval about a month to two months after the U.S. gets theirs. So, yeah. Oh, sorry for the bad news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it happened with I because I have the V-Bar Touch. And, yeah, I, I was able to get in on the first order, but it was several months after well, I shouldn't say several. I think it was about a month and a half, two months. All the guys in the U.S. got theirs, and I'm sitting here going, I can't get mine yet, for the same reason we uh, have to get ours type accepted by the Canadian uh, version of that too. So I've heard rumors that it might not be quite quite that way with this new V-Bar evolution, but we'll see whether that actually is the case or not. We'll find out. So. Anyways. Yeah, I've, I've heard. I've heard when you do get the radio, there's they, you just go plug it straight in and do update. There's quite a few updates already. You know, there's been some let's call it glitches that they've had oh, to wow. find out. Yeah. So, well, wow. it's good. It's in, in fact, it's good because uh, the European market then gets to iron all these glitches out, and uh, once we get it, it's all good to go. You know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And the worst thing is when a customer gets a brand new product like that and you've been waiting for months, then you plug it in and your nitro governor sense is not working or something, you know? And, uh, yeah, uh, but that's, that was one of the issues, which now has been resolved from what I understand. So nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's good that they've got been getting on it right away to fix it. Yeah. That, that's one thing about Mercado. They, with the interface that they have, they can remotely do the updates very quickly which is great. And, and, you know, once their product works, it just works from what we've seen in the past. It's really yes. good. Yes. It's not like, uh, you know, Brain was an amazing product, but I think every time you plugged it in the PC, there was updates. Yeah, that's definitely been frustrating. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, well, that sounds pretty good. At least, you're, at least somebody on this month's podcast is actually doing some flying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's summer back here, so it's, uh, the weather's amazing. It is sometimes windy, but it, when it's hot, it's hot. It's uh, extremely hot. So don't you have those glove boxes when it's so cold out there to fly? I do. Unfortunately, the one that I have, the zipper is broken on it, and I haven't actually fixed it. It's 
I have one of the Hobby King transmitter cases uh, or transmitter gloves, and there's a lot of plastic on it, and the zipper itself broke. So it doesn't open and close properly. Well, <laughs> the worst is it doesn't close properly. And I just, I'm not a seamstress. I don't know. Well, I do know somebody that is a, that does a lot of sewing and whatnot. But unfortunately, that lady lives in the next province over. And so she used to live out here and it was really nice being able to get her to go and fix some stuff for me. But I don't have anybody close by me anymore that can do any of that stuff. So... It would be nice, but unfortunately, yeah. And I, I've been kind of lazy, and I just haven't bothered trying to go and order a new one. So this winter, actually, like typically, I am don't usually have a big problem with flying in the cold. In fact, very often we'll just go and have a couple little propane propane heaters that point at our hands and our fingers to keep to keep our fingers warm. And that actually very often works really quite well. But unfortunately this time the winds were howling. They were, I didn't actually measure the wind, but the weatherman was predicting wind gusts of up to 60 kilometers an hour. Oh, wow. Which, yeah. And of course in Canada, we're also uh, Celsius like you guys are. And so we were about five degrees Celsius with gusts of up to almost 60 kilometers an hour, that <laughs> just wasn't enjoyable. <laughs> Even the propane heater didn't do much. Wow. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've given up flying in the cold for a couple, you no, know, for more than a few years now. It's just that when I, when I was getting started and, uh, I, I was very enthusiastic about, about the hobby and about learning and, you know, in the very early stages, I did go out and fly. Actually, you know, even in the snow and everything. But I noticed that two things happened. One, of course, my my fingers did not react the same because they started getting cold and numb, right? And second, if I crashed, the plastic pieces became brittle, and the repair bills on my on my crashes start getting larger. So I just decided to stop flying. In winter completely. <laughs> you wimp. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, 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 it's, if it's not like on the fifties, I won't be flying. So yeah, I became a wimp. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll admit. Oh, well. And the, the frustrating part for me is I'm actually going to be busy the next two Saturdays in a row. So I'm not sure. Hopefully I'll maybe get a chance to go fly on Sunday afternoon or something like that, but it's going to be tough. So anyways. All right. Well, I guess then we, then we can just segue right into the main topic, which is, uh, of course, our little interview or let's call it friendly hobby chat with, uh, with Paul. So Paul, um, we would like to, you know, get started with this. Let's, uh, let's open up the conversation by you sharing with us. Basically, how was your start in the hobby? You know, how did you get first interested in RC helicopters? Um, so this was probably 2008. I was work. I work abroad a lot. And at this point, I was working in Singapore. And um, one of my best friends, he's still today my best friend, was with me in the military. We were in the Navy together. His name is uh, Yudon Hiki. 
he was staying in Thailand at the time. So I was in Singapore and during my vacation, I decided to go spend some time with him in Thailand. And on a Sunday in Thailand, they have like these night markets where you can go and you can just walk through and you can do shopping and they sell random stuff from, from slippers to, to jerry cans, anything basically you can find there. There's a lot of things with bright lights, you know, um, in this area. And we were just walking down the aisle and this night market and I happened to see this helicopter fly up and down. And I thought, hmm, that, that'd be a good toy for my son. And uh, so I ended up uh, buying this helicopter. At, at that time, it was a Honey Bee E-Sky V2, I think it was. Yeah. The one with the red canopy. And um, yep. so I took that home. And it looked so easy to fly this thing, you know, in the market when they were showing people and that. So I took that home to his house in Thailand. And I thought, I think it was two days after that, I was flying back to South Africa. Um, so let me just test this thing. It was still in the box. Let me just test it and make sure everything is working before I fly all the way back to the other side of the world and then it doesn't work. And then, you know, it's not like you can easily bring it back. So I'm there in the, in the middle of the road outside his house in like a complex. And I, you know, put the battery in like they showed me and try to fly this thing. No can do, sir. (laughs) 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 It was just all over the place, you know, and I thought, let me go get some more batteries that night. So I actually had to go back and get some more spares and batteries. And um, I brought this. I flew back whenever it was, went home. And me and my son were trying to fly this thing. And, uh, you know, just the challenge of trying to fly it. I think that's what where the bug bit me and, uh, you know, fixing the wrenching and just trying to get this thing back in the air. And, you know, they made it look so easy, just hovering it there in the market. And I'm like, I just couldn't get this thing off the ground. And if I did it, it either went left or it went right or it went too high or it was just impossible at the time. And, uh, I think that's what really got me going the challenge of learning how to fly RC helicopters and I do enjoy working my hands right so fixing things was also a part of it and then just that that's where it all started and then so that was the one part of it and then to get those spares in South Africa was was extremely hard actually impossible that's probably the word to use impossible and online in 2009 was Online shopping was very, uh, what's the word? Was was not a, a thing in, in the country at that stage. It was, it was so demand for online was very low. I thought to myself, but what's going on here? Why aren't you know? I can go on to Heli Direct that time, or that time Macau um, USA was called Random Heli. I think I can't remember. But yeah, you could go online. You could buy things and. Yeah, it was always a struggle, you know, and um, by that time I started, I got, I was buying from Hobby King and you could buy the HK450, you could buy whatever. And I had shoe boxes. Eventually I had shoe boxes full of parts because I didn't want to wait months for spares. So I ordered so much that when I crashed, I could 
get in a shoebox, get the parts they need, and try to get this thing back in the air again, which was mm-hmm. not happening. Yeah. So, you know, it, it just, that's how it carried on and on. And I had shoeboxes. I had the honeybee still, which was the the helicopter to have at that time. And, you know, and I read up online how to get this into fly better and the mods. And I bought mods and all these extra accessories. And this thing was like a turbocharged honeybee at the end of the day. And I started realizing that the online shopping in South Africa for RC hobbyists was there was nothing. There was nothing. There was no, there was a big supply in South Africa, which was, uh, was selling the line helicopters. But online wasn't, if you didn't stay in that city, it was very hard to get parts, but there were parts for a line available. And so time moved on and I got myself a line 500. I bought it from Heli Direct and I think it was EFL Pro, if I remember correctly. And with the 3GX when it just came out and it was a 3G, I can't remember, and had that and built that and started flying better and better. And then this goblin thing started coming around, you know, you started seeing these videos of Tariq flying it in Switzerland, testing it, and you started hearing about this new brand coming out. And my attention got this to this helicopter, and I started looking, but this is, this is now really something special coming to the market. And I started doing some investigation of opening up a shop and how to get hold of the, the supplier and who will be the distributor in the country and, and just so so it worked. But just before to go on to that, I actually started with Outrage just prior to that. Oh, we wow. Started, yeah, we actually started selling Outrage. Um, we only sold the Fusion 50. Um, at that time, I didn't want to enter the Nitro market, so we just stuck with plug and play. So we actually spoke to Steve. You guys probably all know who Steve is. We started selling the Fusion 50, which was a really good helicopter. Um, very light, very affordable, crazy in the air, and the parts were cheap, and it was available. So we started selling that, and it started going well. And, and it wasn't long, and this goblin thing just kept popping up again, you know, and it was like in my face, and you, you need to get this now. <laughs> so eventually made contact with them, and they said, okay, no problem, you can become the disputer, and, and that's how it kind of kicked off. And as you know, when you sell a helicopter, you can't just sell a helicopter. You need batteries. You need servos, you need yeah. motor, you need speed controller. And the list and inventory of the shop just started growing and growing and growing. And at the, yeah. same, and at the same time, the market was also, the RC market was also in its prime. It was booming for us back in South Africa. And I think I could say generally around the world, it was the same. And, you know, from God, when we got that 700 and it just, you know, it was an amazing helicopter. It was something unique. I mean, it was the first helicopter in its in that type of style design that you know that people have seen. You know, with the full carbon boom, the, the drivetrain. Everybody was just like, "Wow!" You know, and and they had really a, amazing pilots 
doing the demonstration, putting this helicopter to the test, which which I'm going to say is Tarek Al-Sadi. He, he's the one who really put that helicopter on the market, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, um, you're probably right. Really, he, he can put a helicopter through its paces. And, and, and if you haven't seen him fly, this is going a bit off topic, if you haven't seen this guy fly in real, you, you really don't know what, you, what you're watching on YouTube because YouTube is so – it doesn't look real. It's like – for me, it's slow. YouTube is slow. When you watch him in real and you stand next to him, I'm actually getting goosebumps now. You know, it's, <laughs> it's 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 crazy how he can maneuver a helicopter that fast, that low, and the way it changes direction. It's insane. It's uh, it's he's unique uh, in my opinion. Yes, there's a lot of uh, other good pilots out there that can push a helicopter to the limits, no doubt. But his flying style with that high head speed, I think two weeks back when I was with him. I think I'm not going to lie to you, but I think that one helicopter was running 3,000 that raw on its head. <laughs> you must hear it. It's like, I'm like, when is this thing going to explode? Like, and it doesn't. <laughs> and he, and he, he flies it. And when he changes direction, the helicopter just hangs there waiting for his command. It's, oh, it's, it's impressive. But anyway, yeah. So the, the, the goblins came and, and the market picked up and, from there, we, we entered TSA. If you remember Nigel Brown, we got his helicopter. We thought that would be a – because as Goblin came stronger, outrage started falling away because some of the history, obviously, the factories were shared. And I think, you know, SAB probably started using all the machines and outrage started, okay, well, we're making money with that, so why we'll make more outrage? So, yeah, so we entered TSA. We thought, okay, this would be a good helicopter, which was a little bit more affordable for, for the customers, very good quality, and people are like the pot and boom. So we went for that, and it was a strong helicopter, the TSA. So we got those in, and then we got the Elise Rush. If you remember the Elise Rush, we got those yeah. in. We had MSH Protoss 450 Mini. We had the 500. And then the 700 that came out, we had some of that. But as the brain was like, obviously our main flight controller those days, which was amazing flight controller. And uh, MSH was good. And then it just like started fading away. And But to be honest, you throughout the whole phase, uh, the main brand for us was SAB. And it still is right today. And um, if it wasn't for SAB, I, you know, it would be very hard for me if I look back in that time to open up a shop and to be able to survive off, let's say, Gowie. But we also had Gowies. And um, Gowie in our country is very hard to sell. I mean, when Duncan was flying it, he helped uh, with the promotion when he became the world champ. So there was some movement. But after that, it's just for some reason, it's a very hard model to sell in our country. And I don't know if it's because of its price, because it puts it in the same price category of the Goblin. So then people rather say, no, I'll go for a Goblin. Uh, it's a bit of business talk, but uh, anyway, I'll carry on. And uh, <clears throat> so we also had the, the Gowie, which, I mean, the crazy helicopter, strong again, very strong. I loved all the models, but it was challenge for us to sell the models. So 
Yeah, and then it just grew on. Like I said, we we had GNSAs from those days. We were the distributor for GNSAs, and we had Max Flight controllers. We had MK servers, which we are still selling today, which for me is the product to have, uh, the server of choice. Um, you know, from a owner of a shop standpoint, when you sell a product, I want to sell the product, not yield the customer again. I never want to see him again in a nice way. And when I say that, he said, I don't want him coming back, so oh, this is not working and this doesn't do that or this is missing. Or And, and so we always try to stick to premium products, which yeah. is for me has been Xnova, MKS, you know, Harvey Wing, YGE. We always stuck to those premium products. I've never entertained uh, a product that wasn't that I felt wasn't robust because at the end of the day, we are small client bases uh, in South Africa and I need to maintain that. So by bringing a product that's not superior, I'm potentially losing that customer. Um, because nowadays, online shopping has become so easy throughout the world. So they can quickly go on to a main hobbies, hit a direct. I mean, those days there was flying hobby in Hong Kong. They were making crazy deals, crazy, absolute crazy deals. And, and the market was so competitive. I mean, we were almost going cutthroat just to try to keep the, the products moving in China. But now if you look back, all those shops are gone. You're back to the original shops, you know, Heli Direct, Makara USA, and Domain. And obviously, you now you've got uh, Bert Cameron, which he's got his own shop now. Yeah, so in a nutshell, that's pretty much how it kicked off uh, in Thailand and uh, that East Guy bit, the bug bit over there. And yeah, and just one thing led into another and I've just got the passion to help people and provide a good product and, and it really put me on the straight road to this hobby. I think I was a bit wild when I was younger. So this put me on the straight road and you know, I just this is what I do on all weekends. I, I either I build helicopters or I'm with the family and or I'm at the flying field. That's pretty much what I'm what I do. Hmm, nice. So going back a little bit, where is it that you are actually originally from? Like, are you born and raised in South Africa then? Yes, yes. So I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm born in um, East London, which is South Africa. My parents are also born in the country, but their okay. parents, some of them are from, well, some of them, their parents are from overseas. So my, my father's got a bit of a German in him and my mother's got a bit of English. Okay. And where is it that you're actually located then? So we are in Cape Town. So we're in the okay. mother city, they call it, um, in South Africa, which is the place to be. Um, it's not the biggest city. Johannesburg is obviously, and Pretoria is the two major cities of the country where money is driven, shall I say. It's a very fast-going cities out there, but it's, it's dry, it's inland, it's boring, flat. Um, but there's money. Um, so a lot of our clients are up there indeed. Uh, the, cl the altitude is also a bit higher, so they lose a bit of power, if, that's, if that makes any sense. And we're on the coast. We're in Cape Town. We're sunny. We've got beach. We've got mountains. It's awesome. I mean, that's where all the tourists come. It's, it's, it's a fantastic place to stay, actually. It's home. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So... You started obviously just flying it as a hobby, but what actually brought up the idea of actually creating the actual business then and, and actually getting into 
RC helicopters as an actual business and your income then as well? Well, you know, the the hobby shop, it makes money, but it's not really a, a major source of income. It does make a little bit of profit. It's not, I wouldn't say it's in this country, because it's so small, it's more of a passion than anything else. It pays my, the guy who works in the shop. We, you know, we've got one now. We used to have two, depending on how the market is. So it brings in a little source of revenue, but nothing to write home about, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's more a pure passion to, as I said before, the online was, was, there was no online shops in South Africa. So to, to bring the hobbyist apart. So when he crashes, example, when he crashes and he needs to get back in the air, I want to make sure I have that part on the shelf. If I don't have it, I need to have it here within two weeks. Like that's, mm. that's my rule. At least two weeks, you know. So the parts that I currently stock, I've got to have them within two weeks. So because I was that hobbyist, I was the guy who was crashing and I never had parts. So I've got to wait a month now to get parts or two months. And that can then, the hobbyist, change his mind of flying. He could then maybe say, okay, now while I'm waiting for this, I'm going to go try, I don't know, what's another hobby, golfing example. And then he gets into a circle of friends there and you lose that customer. You, yeah. you lose that hobbyist. Yeah. So to to keep the guy in the air, you need to have the parts. So and it's it's aggravating, you know, when you fly and you crash and you go on a website, oh, they didn't have this in stock, out of 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 stock. Come on, you gotta admit that when you see it's out of stock, everybody gets frustrated, right? Yes. Um so but uh, you know, so just to keep the product in stock, keep the client happy and the hobbyist, keep him in the hobby. Because I think, you know, right now it's also more challenging because the hobby is, I think we do see an uptrend, but there was a, a hard turning point for the RC helicopter market in, uh, let's call it 2000, from 2017 it started. I think there was a heavy downturn. Um, because 2015 was a peak in, for us. 2016, it's just like somebody closed the door and it just collapsed. Like, where's everybody gone? And thankfully, I entered the FPV market. So I started selling FPV products. And that really helped carry us. Otherwise, I probably could have closed the doors. Um, FPV really helped pull us through during 2016 to 2018-19. End of 2019, I think we saw some movement. I mean, we, we started to sell some kits again and it slowly started moving again. In 2020, there was COVID, surprising enough. Everybody's home thinking this is going to go away and, and everybody just bought products. <laughs> while, they <were laughs> nice. sitting, while they were sitting at home, they were building helicopters. <laughs> But then as time got went on, you know, six months later, they're like, okay, wait, this is getting serious now. No more spending. <laughs> but, yep. um, uh, yeah, so that was a rough time for us. Um, but FPV did, did help us get through that stage. Uh, and then now I do see a, a progress, you know, like 2021, 22, I, I am seeing a lot more movement. And what does help is the new models. SAP brings out. I think that really helps us because people like to see something new. You know, it's always nice to build a new model. You know, sit at home and yeah. over, 
during winter, open up in brand new box, look at this colorful manual, get out the wrenches and start building. People love to do that. So yeah, it's, um, you know, so new models definitely help uh, with moving products. So that, that has helped us too with SMB. They're always innovating. I mean, look at the raw, look where they come from. Like, think of the first goblin, like, and look where they are now. It's they really the the designer Enrico and Stefano. They really have they brainstorm all the time. They're really doing something amazing. And, and, but the yeah. question is, what's next? What can they bring next to the market? Well, I guess that's always a question, isn't it? Is what yeah. can anybody bring next to the market? I mean, uh, you, another one that's coming out now is that XL Power Nitro, and looking at yeah, some of the pictures and stuff like that. If it's coming out, it looks like it's got some pretty interesting innovations for those that like to fly nitro helicopters too. So, I think there's always going to be some sort of room for somebody to figure out something new and improved kind of thing too, no matter what. Right. But I mean, like, so we went from fly bar to fly ballers. What's yeah. next after that? Like, yeah. Yeah. What'll be the next it, big thing? And that's going to be yeah. interesting. Right. Yeah. So I think so, a big, big jump. Yeah. Yeah. So what is it? Like, I'm not sure how to ask my next, my next question, but you know, we here in North America, I, we very often have a lot of problems with uh, scammers and things like that coming from Africa and people trying to go and and get buy or you know pretend to buy stuff or whatever and get stuff for uh, uh, you know basically stealing parts both online and in other ways and is that kind of a a big issue that you have to deal with as well I mean I'm kind of I'm just trying to get what's what's it like the difference between you know having a shop in South Africa versus say a shop in North America and just what is the landscape like in that way as far as buying and selling is it uh, is it very similar to what we have here and people are pretty good or is there or do you have to be a little bit more aware and a little more careful um i think generally speaking online we do find that you know every now and again it's not that often where we get a, a random name and it's quite easy to pick it up where we get an email sent to us uh, please send us a quote for x y and z and, and i can know already by that name because i market is so small so when yeah. i see a person's name i'm like nah this guy he don't fly <laughs> um, <laughs> i could just pick it up straight away you know but sometimes you can't take it for granted you never know and so you reply, and what they tend to do, they send you a fake proof of payment, which you, you need to verify, obviously, the money. But to be honest, that happens maybe once every three months of a year. We don't see that much. Um, okay. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. So what's it like, Paul, in, you know, you're, you've traveled, you know, it sounds like you travel quite a bit. I'm assuming you've been to the to the United States um in you know not you know regular tourism but to an event or something so are you able to compare you know what's the difference uh between what you see in uh, how people are uh in, down in South Africa versus other countries you know uh usually in in the US you know most of the people are like uh 
you know, they like to do a lot of shenanigans and do a lot of stuff and do a lot of funny stuff and sometimes even dangerous stuff. And there's a lot of drama. So what's it like in, in South Africa, you know, the, the overall heli scene? Um, so, look, I have been in the U.S. Uh, several times. Um, not to a heli event, though. The heli events I've been abroad would be Thailand, Vietnam, and Europe would be uh, heli masters. Um, I think we're pretty much the same, eh? Everybody wants to have fun and uh, I think the, the, you know, from being part of hosting events, I've been part of hosting events in, in the past, um, where we had the competitions, but that's, you know, what it, I think the first competitions were late 2008 was the first competition, which I wasn't involved with, but, uh, from 2011, I started hosting the competition and I actually made 3D competitions in the country where, I mean, Tariq came down to South Africa. We've had Duncan Bossian here. We've had, I think we've had Tariq here eight times already. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so he, yeah, he's a very close friend of mine. Um, uh, so in general, he, Tariq always loves to come to Africa because it's so pleasant. The weather's great. It's easy to get around. It's, it's a, Cape Town's a nice city. But, you know, in competitions, you always do find yourself with a little bit of a drama, as you call it, you know. There always be, ah, oh, but, and when it comes to judges, there's always going to be this discrepancy of somebody else's opinion or view, you know, um, which, yeah. So, with competitions, you do find sort of drama, but with most fun flies, guys just want to go out there and have fun and enjoy, eh? Yeah, so I think it's pretty much the same. Our market's just not as big as the U.S. markets. so. We would love to have the the amount of pilots you guys have. We would love that because that would just make things so much better. You know, I mean, if we have a competition, I think on the good days, we would have maybe 30 pilots or at the most that's pushing it. And that's, that's with each level from beginner, expert to professional, masters, whatever you want to call it. So call it 10 pilots per, per class. And that, that's pushing. That's on a really good day. Now, are you talking? Are you talking like an F three C FAI type of content competition, no, like or you're talking three D type competition? Three D, three D. On F three A, you may find four people. Because I, you know, the the competition scene here in North America, especially, it has dwindled down. Like Fun Flies is the big thing out here right now. Is everybody wants to do a Fun Fly, and there's very little competition of any sort here in North America right now. Not to say there's non-existent, but there's far fewer competitions than there used to be. Yeah, the last competition we had here was also. Oh, it's been it's been a while, eh? It's definitely been a while. How big are some of the fun flies? Uh, I would say the same, 25 to maybe 25 to 30 people. Okay. Um, yeah. And sometimes we do have drama. You know, I call it drama. Like I think Abby said, it's, uh, we get drama with uh, people. This one doesn't want to drive there. It's too far. And this one, uh, I can't fly there because there's no grass. Or, oh, geez, you know, it's like, just, you know. So You're going to you get, get that everywhere. That. Yeah, yeah. It, you do get that. Um, in most parts, uh, people come and enjoy and have fun, eh? Nice. Nice. Um, but what we do see pilots, you know, what we are lacking, I don't know if it's the same over there, we're lacking as what I call young blood. 
I think we're not seeing enough young blood in, in this hobby, which we really need to get because um, otherwise for us, we're, we're, you know, we're going to be a bunch of grumpy old men soon at the field. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, in, some I agree. Cases, in some cases yeah. we already are a bunch of grumpy old men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I see the same thing. I see the same here, here in in the US, in the states. You know, there's very few new pilots. To be honest, the only pilots that I see that are new that you know push it really hard and and are coming strong, you know, come from Thailand. Yes, yes, Thailand is doing amazing with pilots. Absolutely amazing. And I had this conversation with Tariq. I asked him. Where, where do we find these young pilots and this young blood? He said, Paul, I know where to find them. I said, where? He said, in front of the PlayStation. And that's, that's just, he's right. That's where they are. Yeah. You're right. You're right. But how, how do you get them out of the PlayStation and into, and into helicopters? And this is, this is, this is a problem that I also see because, you know, the problem that I see is that there is money to be made. On the PlayStation, right? Kind of like similar, you know, to go, you know, pro competitive computer gaming, similar to, you know, pro level competitive drone racing. You know, these are events where your, your talent and your hard work is reward, is rewarded with money. And I think that that's a, that's a problem. You know, usually helicopters, you know, people don't do it for the money. You know, even the pros. <clears throat> they're very hard to leave off from the hobby unless they attach themselves to a company to do something other than flying. You know, they need to do engineering, they need to do marketing, they need to do actual work within the company, uh, an actual position within the company to make a living out of it. You know, they cannot leave off of just their pure talent. So I think that that's also an, an issue that we have with uh, with young bloods that they're just ambitious. You know, they just want to to make money. You know, you see these people, you know, these influencers in on Instagram who are making you know large amounts of money. You see these YouTubers that are making large amounts of money. You need you see these pro players that make large amounts of money. And of course, you know, a lot of people want to get there. So um, I think that I think that that's also a problem. That's why also we're not getting you know, more people into these. Um, and I wish that they could see, you know, just for the fun of it, right? You know, just how fun and engaging and everything it is. But, but yeah, it's, uh, it's hard. I'm also seeing that, that, that phenomenon here in the, in the U.S. You know, I wonder a little bit too whether government regulations are causing some problems in that way as well. I mean, you look at in the U.S. and in Canada here as well it's getting more and more restrictive for what you can fly, when you can fly, where you can fly and who can fly even too. And it's just plain easier for people to go and do something else. Like you, you see less and less parents taking their kids out to something like this because it's just getting more and more difficult. Not even, I'm not even talking about the cost because I think the cost of getting into this hobby is actually far better than it ever used to be. I think it's far less expensive to get into this hobby than it ever has been. But at the same time, I think it's getting to be more and more difficult because of, well, I'm going to, I'm going to say government overreach and different rules and regulations and, uh, and things like that, I think is making it more and more difficult for younger people to actually get involved in the hobby as well. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, lot of regulation and there's a lot of talk here in so the you US say, that, you say, know. Sorry, so you say cost is is not an issue for you. You say it's not as expensive as it used to be? Well, I, yes. okay, I, I look at it this way. You look at back back in the 80s and 90s even, you know, especially in time back before Align was coming into the hobby, to buy an RC helicopter was a far bigger chunk of money back then than it is now nowadays you know you can buy an airframe for less than a thousand dollars us and even when i first started i've been flying i've been in the hobby for i don't know i think it's i, I i'm terrible with with dates and how many years and whatnot but i think it's about 17 years something like that 16 17 years and it was all fly back then and to buy a 700 size airframe at that time for under a thousand dollars was almost unheard of. And not only that, especially back in the seventies and eighties and nineties, when your income wasn't as much, the dollar didn't stretch as far. And even though, you know, economically things may have been going well, the actual, uh, relative cost of things was actually a little bit higher than the relative cost of a lot of our RC uh, helicopters and, and equipment is now. I think now it's actually a far lower entry cost into the hobby than it ever used to be. Wow, that's interesting because uh, I'll give you an example. So when the first Goblin came out, it was $999, quote $1,000, right? And how we, we got exchange rate. So we've got to deal with exchange rate. So for us, cost has gone up. So $1,000, the kit would cost us, just a random exchange would be seven. So it would cost us 7,000 rand, South African rand. So today, the raw is, if you look at the raw, it's 998. The price hasn't changed. It's actually cheaper than the first goblin, right? Yeah. Uh, but if you take that at the new exchange rate, which is now 17, almost double, costing us 17,000. So we're almost paying double what we were paying in 2010. Hmm. See, and that's a fairly recent. I'm, and I'm actually going back, you know, even further. Like I've got friends of mine who have been in the hobby since the 70s and 80s. And they've talked about, you know, back then, uh, you're looking at, you know, $1,000 just for a basic or for a cheap six channel radio that was top of the line at that time whereas now we can be a thousand dollars for <laughs> you're buying a pretty darn nice uh radio transmitter for a thousand dollars uh you know a helicopter you were looking at probably you know about the same amount of money dollars wise you know maybe a thousand or two thousand dollars to 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 get yourself outfitted on a helicopter but considering wages and income were far, far lower back then, when you look at it as percentage-wise for how much it costs, how much of your actual of your income is coming off in order to get into that into the market in the first place, it's far less expensive now than it was way back then. Okay, makes sense, yeah, for sure. Well, I actually see it, I, I actually see it as a completely different point of view than you guys. Um, I do, I do think that the hobby is far more accessible today because we have much better low price offerings to really segue into the hobby. I mean, my point is 
you don't you usually don't go into a hobby that you don't know nothing about you know spending a thousand dollars so you 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 usually go if if a hobby is more accessible then you're more likely to get into it so today we have you know things like the blade helicopters we have things like the OMP M1 M2 we have things like the goose guy you know the the, the smaller helicopters are getting more traction and they're far less expensive than your regular 700 so for someone completely new that just wants to sample the hobby and get into the into the hobby they have machines that give you a much better performance than ever you know in that size for a 100%. fraction of the cost i agree with you 100% yeah i would agree with that too yeah 100% and we actually sell the omp in it and the goose kind, they are absolutely amazing machines for what you get nowadays. I mean, it's the best micro machine ever built, I think, you know, in my opinion. So, yeah, imagine we started with these machines back in those days. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Life would be so easy. All this auto leveling and rescue and it would be so easy. Uh, I still remember, you know, when I was still young in the hobby too and trying to break into the uh what was it there the blade came out with the first micro heli or one of their first micro helicopters was just that coaxial the mcx and just that was just a huge step forward going wow this is a helicopter that's tiny enough that i can actually fly in my house i mean i'd never thought of doing something like that even either and now suddenly you could little 1s battery that could fly a helicopter yeah it wasn't a collective pitch and wouldn't do inverted or anything like that but it was still something that i could actually fly in my house you know <laughs> it was really cool <laughs> yeah 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 for sure for sure so um so yeah i i i, I see more you know the the government re regulations for sure you know amazon wanted to get hold of the sky and um and pushing hard to try to achieve that and uh you know a, a lot of people you know taking any um any anything that might happen you know um that's why we have to be very careful and fly safe because you know any any small accident or any small thing you know just what gets blown out out of proportion they say you know that's why that's why we need to control them so so Paul, yeah are you guys are you guys having government stuff like that out in africa as well no this is africa eh? <laughs> <laughs> anything goes around yeah <laughs> now we have uh we obviously the drones they've really i think that's where it all started the drones have really messed with our airspace if, if i may say that um yeah people just went wild with drones they just blew wherever they could find a park or a garden or a mountain or yeah, where the base scenery was, especially these FPV guys. But, uh, and, and, you know, when the GoPros, came, uh, the, what is it, the Phantoms came out, everybody thought they could make a quick buck and they were making videos, aerial footage, and, and that's, you know, and then the laws came out and now you got to have an RPL license and there's a whole process, right? But, uh, I think that's kind of been put to rest now. Um, most modelists, you know, helicopter modelists, uh, I believe, are, are actually flying at clubs. And that's where it's controlled, right? So a, a controlled environment. So I think yeah. there we, we, we okay. Yeah. But, uh, it's the FPV guys who are still, 
flying all over the scene. I'm sad to say, I mean, but where, where do they fly? I mean, because they're not, the way I see it, the FPV pilots aren't welcome at the RC club almost, if, if that makes sense. I don't mean it in a rude way, but now you're flying in helicopter and you've got the FPV guy flying in circles around your helicopter. Like, where does he go? I mean, they, they want tight places like broken houses or bushes or scenery. That's what they're after, right? So to go fly in a, a field that's got nothing, that's absolutely boring for them, right? Unless you're doing long range. But, um, yeah. And that's also where the problem comes in with the long range, right? Because they now let's see how far I can go with this thing. And uh, you think I can reach that mountain? And then he, he doesn't think about his surroundings. He just thinks about how is he going to get to that mountain, right? But little, little does he know that there's actually an airport maybe right next to it or something, you know? And uh, sometimes they don't intend to do it purposely to fly in that space. They just don't know. And who actually tells them they can't fly in that space? You know, you go into a shop or you, let's say you buy uh, a Phantom, not a Phantom, what's the latest? Mavic now. Mavic's the latest, I guess. You buy that and th that thing will stop you from flying that zone. But if you buy a drone, an FPV drone or a flying wing, that thing's just going to keep going. It's not going to stop when it gets to the airport, you know? So how does he know? He don't, unless he does his research. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, Paul, um, uh, going, going back to, you know, to your history, um, uh, and this is something that I knew, of course, before. Can you tell us a, a little bit more, you know, being Tarek, you know, how famous he is and, you know, everyone wants him to come to the U.S., you know, to, to fly more. Um, you know, there's a lot of fans, me included. Um, you know, uh, how, you know, you know, are you like childhood friends or how did you meet him or how did that happen? Uh, so how did I meet him? Let me answer that question first. Um, I saw him online flying this uh, goblin and then I did some research and I saw him flying the outrage. Um, and I needed, we were going to host our first event in South Africa. And that was the prime of goblin being released. It just got released. We got our first model and our shipment and the market was just crazy. Everybody who saw Goblin just wanted a Goblin those days, right? And everybody was just, we needed somebody special to, to kick it off, you know, to kick this event off. It was the first one ever launched by me. I needed somebody special to put this machine to its test and demonstrate it to its full capabilities. Yeah, so Tariq was the guy for me when I watched him fly, you know, the wow factor in his flight is 100% or maybe 110%, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> he can really maneuver a helicopter. And at that time, he was the, the main sponsored pilot for SAB. Uh, Bert wasn't in the scene that time, and nor was Carl, and he was the main guy. So I actually made contact with him online, and that's how we started talking and, and started becoming friends. I think it was 2010, and um, since then we've been friends, and it's going strong. And uh, I try to visit him as much as I can when I go to Dubai. We I normally stay there where he is, and we hang out like brothers. I mean, 
it's you know it's it's hard to say that you have friends over the world that are that you're so close to. It's, it was difficult to say that, right? But we're actually very close friends. I mean, just sent me a message two days back, talking to me about some stuff and 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 what I think I should do. And it actually sounds like he wants to go to Rotolive. So it looks like he's preparing because he's actually got Dubai Masters coming up, and he was sending me the dates, wanting to know if I could come and help him um, with the event. Uh, I think Dubai Masters is planning to do just, I think it's after Ramadan or before Ramadan. I must look at the dates again. And then obviously they have the holy month. And then it's uh, after that will be Rotolive. So he may be going to Rotolive again. I'm not too sure. He has mentioned about going to the U.S. before. And he's, he is aware that a lot of people are asking him. And I, I actually told him in January when I was with him, or December, sorry, I said to him, Tarek, I think you need to go to the U.S. If this is your last trip in your career, you need to go to the U.S. Go and finish it off there and put, for me, put everything to bed. So what you guys don't know, when Tariq posts videos, you know on YouTube, you know how many people, not a lot, but he gets people saying the videos are fake. Uh, maybe you've read the comments in, in yes, YouTube. Yes, I've seen lots of comments get, about that. I get so freaking frustrated because I've made some of those videos myself personally. And I, I just, I don't know if it's people just looking for attention now or trying to get off his his uh, likes to try and feed people onto that person's channel. I'm not too sure, but I get so frustrated because you know how much time and effort he puts into videos. That's another thing that the people don't see. They just think, oh, he picked out an iPhone and then he just takes a video. No, my friend, it doesn't work like that. He's got cameras that cost more than like six of your helicopters. You, you know what I'm saying? Oh, so he's, oh wow. He, he's got a whole, he puts up a whole tripod there. I don't know if you've seen the video where he talks about the 420. Okay, I took that video, right? We're sitting behind the table. That camera's on a tripod. It's got a lens. I think the lens is $10,000. Just the lens. Ooh so what people don't see, yeah, he, he puts a lot of time and effort into his videos. And he doesn't have time. That's the That's the... The worst part of it all, you know, he, he's a busy man as it is, you know, hobby is not the hobby he does for fun. That's, that's what he does. Hobby flying is for fun. When he wants to go to the field, he wants to go and try and break the helicopter <laughs> and have fun. That's all he wants to do, you know? Um, he, and then he makes the videos when he gets time and, and, and it's to, to help people in the hobby to, to show them what the product can do to, Get more people in the hobby. He's just a general down-to-earth person. He's, he's, I think you can't get a better person in this world when it comes to Tarek in, in a hobbyist as a, yeah, he's something special. Not only the way he flies, but his personality. He's so down-to-earth, you know. He's a well-established uh, person. I mean, his family uh, and himself, they, they're great people. But he's so down to earth. You'd never think, you know, everybody thinks, I don't know what you guys may think of him. Maybe let's ask that question. What do you guys think? Like, well, you think I've, had, um, 
I've had some conversations with him, um, you know, a few DMs here and there and, uh, you know, on the YouTube comments and such. And yeah, he's, he's amazing. You know, he's always, uh, you know, calling you brother and selling, sending you his best wishes, sending you prayers. You know, he's, he, he really is, 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 is a really great guy. You know, I think uh, my impression of him is that he's an amazing human being, an amazing person. Um, and like you said, very down to earth. You know, I know, you know, all that's behind him. Um, all the wealth and everything behind him. And, uh, and he really is a, a really, just a nice guy, you know, an overall nice guy. And one of the things that I remember a lot, he, he, I think that he actually gave a helicopter to Min Chan Kim, uh, when, when he was starting, uh, you know, a promising pilot that ended up in, you know, going pro drone pilot instead of, he still flies helicopters and I think he's still sponsored by Goblin. But I remember that, you know, Tarek was the one that, you know, that wanted to boost him because he, he was, uh, he wanted to have young people into the hobby and he wanted to help. So, you know, he was kind of like promoting him because he was getting started and he ended up being, you know, an amazing pilot. Yeah, you know, especially with the since I've joined the podcast and with some of the people that we've had interviewed and whatnot, just there's, I mean, I've never had any interactions with him at all, but if there's one thing that I've learned over the years with, you know, both being part of the podcast, but even with other things that I've been involved with over the years too, everybody's just a person. We're all just normal people. Some people just happen to have been able to be so good at something that they become very well known, but, really they're still just normal people like you and I right and so I think we have a tendency to go and put people on a pedestal a little bit too quickly and easily to be honest <laughs> and I that's something I've always tried to sort of make sure I don't do is is something like that because I'm sure he probably is just a normal guy and I look just a comment about the videos I've seen a lot of those comments too about people claiming it's fake and I always chuckle going, yeah, you got it. Most of the time from, from people that I've seen make comments like that, most of them that I've seen are people that have never actually seen an RC helicopter in real. And it's kind of interesting as soon as you see, you know, they just don't understand what a helicopter, what an RC helicopter actually is capable of. And a guy like Tarek is a good example of showing what these things are actually truly capable of, you know. Yeah, that, that's why I say like if if he does his last trip to just to do it to the US to to put that to bed so people can see. And I'm not saying the people are coming from the US and making the comments, but I think some could be and they could actually see. But I, I mean, the US hasn't seen him. A lot of you guys haven't seen him fly in person, you know, to actually watch him fly in person and how he can fly in a tight spot, like in a small. I mean, I don't know how big your garden is, but. Um, uh, you can give him a 700 and, uh, you know, you guys use feet or meters, uh, let's say a three by three meter, and he'll fly it in there. As hard as he'll fly it in a big open field, he'll fly it in there hard. It's just <laughs> three insane. by three meters, that's pretty tiny. <laughs> yeah, he's, I mean, we flew the other day in Muhammad's backyard. Um, that's insane what he can do. Insane. 
Man, I could barely hover in a three by three meter section. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, he's crazy when it comes to that, actually. And it, it's coming, you know, he, he flew a lot at night, you know? So, and because it's so hot in Dubai, so he, he was flying a lot at night when it's a little bit cooler and he was flying around the palm trees. So he, he couldn't see much. So you, you got to fly close and low and. And that's just how he, you know, why you've learned how you part to fly the tight spots. Yeah, yeah, that video is one of the of the first videos that I that you know my jaw dropped the the uh, the Gawi X7 on the palm trees video. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's that's one of my favorite all time favorite 3D videos. I mean, that's insane. That's an insane video. Yeah, one of the good ones is also in Heli Masters. I think when he's flying the Outrage. The night, the nitro velocity. Just if you go back and you watch that YouTube video, just after the pot, go back and watch that, and look how crazy he was flying then already it's, it's, with a nitro old helicopter. And uh, yes, he was pushing that thing. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 insane. You know, he's he's truly, as you said, you know, he's a, he has a truly unique style. That you know, all the health, all the head speed. And, uh, you know, just so fast, so fast. And, and, and I also know that, you know, people in the heli community criticize him for that, that, oh, no, he's not, he's just, uh, you know, flapping it around, but he's, he's really precise, you know, that, that, that palm tree video. And there's another video that he flies a goblin on like a forest. Oh my gosh. That's, that's amazing. I mean, when he flies in tight spaces, you, you really know what he's capable of. For sure, for sure. Wow, wow. Well, enough, enough, enough about, about, uh, Tarek. For sure, say, say, say hi to him when you, when you talk to him. Um, but Paul, you know, um, uh, talking a little bit more about your business life, you said that, you know, Goblin Hobbies is not your, you know, main source of income, I assume, because, you know, it's not as profitable. Do you have, uh, something else, you know, uh, another, uh, business that you, that you have that helps you overall make sure that, you know, there's still, uh, you know, good income and you're not fully dependent on the, on the hobby business that's not as profitable. Yeah. So I do some work in the oil and gas. That's why the traveling is always happening. Um, but I do work in oil and gas and that's my main source of revenue. Yeah. Because, you know, as when we did start the business, we had to inject a lot of capital and yeah. So you need some sort of capital to. So most source of revenue is the, the oil and gas, which I do. Uh, that's where okay. I'm mostly occupied. All right, all right. And uh, Paul, what is uh, what is your favorite helicopter? I know that it has to be a Goblin. So Darren, you can cover your ears, but I'm pretty sure that, no, that no, it's a Goblin. No, 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 no. <laughs> so what's your favorite helicopter, Paul? To be honest, the, all these helicopters that are on the market right now, they're all they're all amazing and they all bring something special to the table. They design, they're all so strong these days. They, you know, it's not like before when you put a, a the main gear just goes roof and you just see confetti. Those days are gone. I think all these helicopters are so robust, you know, um, to answer that question, you know, I fly Blue Sky, I fly OMP, I, and then I fly the SAB range, which is the main range that I fly now. Because the other models like TSA and Protoss and Gawi, they've kind of fallen away 
in South Africa, so I don't fly them anymore. But the Gawi X7 was a very, very nice flying helicopter, was one of my favorite too. Um, right now, today, I've always been a 700 man. I really love 700 machines. I just like the big presence the in the air. So uh, it would probably be the raw 700 right now. But I do miss the full carbon boom of the Goblin. And that sound that it makes of the tail when you fly the helicopter is just, yeah. But the raw is probably my favorite right now. 580 and 700, that would be my two favorites. Okay, nice, nice. Of course, of course, had to be had to be goblin. <laughs> it's just that yeah. that Darren has a thing against goblins, and I'm a diehard goblin fanboy, so it's always fun. Well, what's what's against it? Why? <laughs> oh, to be honest, it's funny you talk about how you miss that sound, and that's one of the things that drives me nuts is that sound of the of that tail boom. Um, oh, really? Yeah. It's it, special. It is, it's unique. You know, I one of my main flying helicopters for the last few years has been a logo, and one of the reasons why I like the logo is because it's so quiet. It's a very nice, ah, quiet. Ah, makes sense. And, makes and sense. I love, I like to hear the sound of the blade farts. And so a quieter helicopter is really nice for that. But then you're not flying hard enough. Well, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to deny that because I'm not exactly a hardcore 3D guy. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, we looked at the logo. Also, I had did have a logo 700 and a logo 200. Um, the logo is a very nice machine, no doubt. They they all yeah. nice machines. To be honest, it's just they you got to you got to pick your poison, you know. And, yeah. and unfortunately, when I say that, I don't mean in a, in a horrible way. I just mean like so. What's available for you for, to access parts? So, big time, yes. For us, like if you crash to Africa and you need local parts, you can't get it. You've got to import yep. it. You're going to wait. So, if you crash a goblin, you come to my store and I'm going to sell you a part and you're yeah. going to be back in the air. Um, a line, potentially, there is parts still with the one uh, distributor. Um, I'm not too sure whether he keeps up with the parts, but I know people are complaining. But yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm saying. Pick your poison. Like logo, there's no nobody right now paying the, the stock. I can get it for customers, but it's not going to be here tomorrow. Yeah, and and I, and that's exactly a big thing for me as well. Being in Canada, I think we're in some ways we're probably a little bit similar to what you are in South Africa as far as numbers go. You know, we're nowhere near the size of the people that are in the U.S. Thankfully, we are right close to the border. But it's getting, for me anyways, I've found it's getting more and more of a pain to try and ship things across the border. And so I really look hard to try and support Canadian dealers. And so that's, for me, I've got a really good logo dealer. And then my other main helicopter is Nexel Power Spectre V2. And once again, the reason why I bought both of those helicopters is because I have Canadian dealers that are relatively local to me. And so that's one of the big yeah it, it's all about getting parts can i get the parts within a reasonable time frame right that's uh that's really key and 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 i'm not you know as much as i'm not a huge fan of the sab helicopters is if people want to fly them that's perfectly fine i mean like you say if you can get the parts for it and the other thing i'm a big believer in too is if you have friends local that are flying that 
then you should be buying those things, the same helicopter as well, simply because you've got friends who can help you if you have a problem as well. Correct, correct. The other thing is also like you don't want to buy a model and then tomorrow it's discontinued and then you can't get parts. Even if you got it imported, you can't. Like, like yes. Proto 700 TSA, where do you get parts? Then you can't. At least Rush, you know, like I've got boxes here of at least Rush parts sitting in boxes. Boxes of parts. That hurts. Boxes of all parts. of that. Yeah, but but that hurts me. But what about the people who I sold it to? You know, those guys now sitting yeah. with those nice machines and they can't get parts. Or or I've got the parts, but I don't have the one they need anymore. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's also something to always consider, I would say, when you do buy a model. Absolutely. I, I, we got a, uh, there's a new guy that I've been trying to help out, he, out here that's been just breaking into helicopters and, you know, and that's been something that he's been struggling with now too, is he's buying these older used helicopters and for learning the hard way that he can't get the parts for them so easy anymore. We used to have a fantastic Align dealer here in Canada and unfortunately he is ha- struggling to get the parts and that's why he switched over to XL Power because he's struggled to get the line parts in in Canada and it's getting, you know, and it's something that a person has to really look at to see. But why? Alliance just released new models. Why, why they struggle to get parts? Well, it's a little bit of a backstory to that, but once again, Canada is just not a big enough market. And so, he can get a, he, he was having trouble. I don't know all of the details to be honest, but I know, I do know that the, the, the aligned distributors in North America have changed a number of times over the last few years. And these last, the, this current distributor doesn't want to give him a very good discount and they haven't been very quick on and very reliable on getting him the parts that he needs in the first place for his customers. And so it was just getting more and more difficult, more and more expensive. And guys were basically forced to not order from him simply because he was too expensive and he couldn't give him any other. And like you, he has other full-time job. This is not his only job, but when it was just too expensive for him to go and get the parts that that his customers are needing, it, it doesn't really make financial sense for his customers either. And so he had to, he was kind of forced to go and switch to XL power and, uh, who's been far nicer for him to deal with. And he's been far happier with them now. And actually just, uh, just in the last few weeks now, he's going to start carrying miniature aircraft as well here in Canada. So we'll now have a, now have a miniature aircraft dealer now too. That's a good, reliable dealer. Do you think that model's going to survive? I don't know. We'll see. They they haven't died yet. I mean, they've technically miniature aircraft has been around for a long time. They've had their struggles, but they haven't actually died yet. They've been reborn. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because, yeah. That's a model that. Yeah, like you said, they haven't died, but ah, uh, sure, it's a tough one. I don't know. They've got that new gasser six hundred size gasser now too, and I know of a couple of guys that have already bought one. So, oh. We'll see. All right. Um, so, uh, well, we've gone, Paul, through um, through a little bit of your history, a little bit of uh, of Goblin Hobby. So, 
So Goblin Hobbies is, uh, j- just uh, to get something straight, so Goblin Hobbies is the main distributor of SAV in South Africa, right? That's correct. Okay, okay. Just wanted to clarify that. So they're they're kind of like, so you're you're kind of like uh, the South African bird. <laughs> That's correct. We we the South African distributor for SAV products. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I, that, that's what I thought, but I just wanted to, to, to clarify. Okay, good. So I think it's, um, it's been a, a very good conversation. Um, I, I, I think it was, it was a really good time. So, uh, Paul, what did you think about your, uh, is it, is this your first podcast experience? Yes, it is, in fact. So it's, yeah, it's great. Eh? It's great to <sighs> have a chat with you guys and get to know you and share some knowledge and, yeah, what's going on in the rest of the world with the hobby? Nice, nice. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's always cool to to know that you know this is a a global hobby, right? You know, there's there's people from all over the world enjoying and en- enjoying this hobby, and it's always nice to hear that th- it it basically unites us, uh, right? Because it's very nice to hear that that the scene over there is very similar to the U.S. and you know to Canada and likely to other countries that you know. There's no really big difference, right? It's uh, just people enjoying their heli, crashing their heli, repairing their heli, progressing through through trying to get better at flying and just having fun. So um, I don't know. There's something really special about this um, this hobby. Uh, a lot of uh, passion, I guess, around it. So it's it's really nice to hear what happens on on other parts of the world and uh, corroborate that uh, you know this is. Uh, a, a really good hobby overall. It is a fantastic hobby. It keeps you out of a lot of trouble. Let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's, uh, it's great, man. And I, I really hope the hobby can see momentum forward this year and next year. I mean, we, we you know, in financials, we talk about recession this year. I hope that will be the last of it. And from there, we can see what we did see in 2014 and 13, how the hobby was just going crazy. It'd be, it'd be awesome. Um, I really hope we can get the young blood back in, into the hobby. Um, that's where these, the, you know, you spoke about these new models, OMP and Gooski. That's where they really can help, you know. Um, they're fantastic. Yes. Are you going to be bringing in some of those new logo trainer ones too? Um, that's the amazing product. But the price, I have yes. to be honest with you, the price is like, like, come on, like, yeah, this is supposed to, like, I know you're not going to crash it and you're not going to have to buy a part again, but like you break the bank account before you can afford it. It just doesn't make any sense for us. I can't even bring yeah. one because I'm not prepared to put it on my shelf and then give it away. It's, it's just too expensive. Yeah, I can see that. Even when we sold the logo 200 initially, it was really just brand loyal people that bought the logo. But eventually, when people saw that, wait a minute, this is it's exactly like an OMP. And there was, how do I put it to you in a nice way? <laughs> I don't think the Neo brought such a major difference that the price had to be double yeah yeah on, on such a, on such a small helicopter i don't think it was worth it and, and with all the settings that was pre-done on, on the logo 200 
you still had tail blowers and you still had exactly the same flight feeling for somebody who just started he's not going to know the difference anyway so the the OMP and Goosey is really you know the way to go whether it comes to these small helicopters and the parts are cheap so if you do crash you know the parts are really like ten dollars for two main shafts you know it's really cheap yeah I still like my my Oxy 2 for the small heli. Yeah, but that's a different that league one. again. I, yeah. I would say that's a different league. You know, that's a, a advanced professional helicopter. It's a, you know, we do sell Oxy. I don't think I mentioned it, but uh, we do sell Oxy. We, we sold from the Oxy 3 to the Oxy 4, Oxy 5, and the Oxy Nitro. Um, the helicopters are crazy, you know, very strong. Oxy-5 is a very strong helicopter. Very, very, very strong. Great helicopters. Oxy-3 was amazing, you know? Yeah, it was a very popular helicopter for them. Still is. Yeah. But, you could, but the issue is you can't take Oxy-3 and then you start buying all the electronics for it. And then your price is double of what an OMP costs. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Yeah. So, and, and this is why I'm keen to see how the RS4, you know, we got some coming hopefully this week or next week. And it'll be interesting to see how the RS4 works. Yeah. Yeah. The 380 scene is, uh, is really ramping up. You know, now, um, there's, uh, there's three main contenders, right? There's, well, of course, the, the 420 still is a, uh, you know, a 380 size helicopter is really, a although it's designed as a 420, it's really, it really started as a 380 stretch. So we have the, the, the Goblin 420, uh, we have the, um, RS4 and the, um, uh, what's the name? The, uh, S4, right? So, uh, RS4. So we ha- yeah. So, so we have, you know, the, uh, OMP, the Goose Guy and, uh, and Goblin, you know, really fighting it out in that, in that segment. So it's, it's getting really interesting in, in, in that segment. Uh, the new, uh, also the new one that will come from, uh, from OMP, the, uh, what is it? The M4 that, uh, um, that Jonas, that Jonas designed. I mean, it, it's, it's all really good for the hobby, right? As you said, you know, new products, new things, and especially at a more affordable price range. I think that is, is really, really good for the hobby. So, uh, really f- looking forward to what's coming up this year. How does two manufacturers launch similar model on the same time? Like the OMP <laughs> yeah, Evo and the S2 like gets launched like a month apart uh, and they're almost identical. Yes, there is some minor changes. And then all of a sudden, three months later, you get RS4 and M4 coming out and they almost identical. Like, is this maybe the same factory and two different I don't know. Like, what are we? Are they actually? Are they actually almost identical? I, I honestly, I haven't actually had a close look at any of them. I haven't seen any of them in person, and haven't actually had a close look at any of the pictures or the designs either. So I don't know. Are they actually pretty close to identical? Um, look, the the, the way you put the battery in is different between the two, but the motor, that that part and the head all looks the same. Not like clone the same, but the concept. Is there? Is the same? Yeah, I, I, you know that whole motor direct drive system idea. That's that's it's an interesting one. To be honest, I'm 
kind of curious as to whether or not it's going to last or not for for a long term thing because like even the the Goblin four twenty, it's it's had there's it's had its people that didn't like it because of the direct drive uh, for you know lack of power in certain ways and lack of adjustability in other in some ways as well. So uh, I'm curious as to whether that whole direct drive idea is actually going to stick around. I th- I think it will. I think it will be- because because of that you know because of the size range and the the intent of the heli right. I mean, you really want one of those helicopters to be your practice helicopter that uh, that it's going to be relatively easy quick and relatively inexpensive to fix right i mean you you don't have to deal anymore with with gear meshes with transmissions blown uh, you know it's it's very simple you don't have to play around much with it you know it just simplifies i think everything yeah and uh, you know at the beginning it was you know like no one was prepared that you know it had so many poles and you know it's a different concept but i think that as it settles as a full category I think that it's it's very it's very good for overall as for the hobby, right? You know, for for people to have these helicopters ready to fly on their trunks or to go quickly to the nearest park, where maybe even you know the jungler that we're talking about, you know, can see it. You, you know, I recently, well, not recently, you know, uh, last end of the season, I went on my last flight and took the the 420 and you know a couple of kids came by and started asking questions so you know it's a good thing to have such such a helicopter that you know people can see and you can start getting it out there so that people can see it and that you can also use to practice and not you know spend 400 500 dollars to fix it so so yeah i think that i think that as a concept it's a, it's a really good idea i really like that you know that that the competition really heated up i think that it's very it's very exciting to see mostly these two companies, uh, you know, OMP and uh, and Goose Sky fighting it out. I think that it's a very good thing, again, you know, for the hobby, you know, competition brings innovation, right? So I think that um, that that overall, as a concept, as an overall concept, I think it's, it's, it's good for the hobby overall. And people seem to like these things very well. You know, they're priced right. Uh, they do what they're supposed to do. And... Uh, and they're fun, so so let I'm 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 really you know if if I could I I would just get them all and uh, you know and try them out, but um, just just to figure out you know what it is. But I think that it really makes it it really makes the the point of having that relatively cheap and expensive helicopter to go around and practice and fly and take out and and not worry about it as much, right? Yeah, I agree. That it's a great model. Uh, it's really the the OMP and the the whole. I mean, from SAB, OMP, Goose Guide, the part count, everything. It's less part counts. I think the motor. You know, when you, I think you spoke about the four twenty not being having the option to change the gear ratio. <clears throat> I think if they launched additional motor, I believe the motor that's currently in the model is designed around 2,800, 2,700 RPM. So I think what people are wanting is a motor for 3,200, 3,400, because that's what's happening. I think people are going to that head speed, which is probably 80, 85% of the ESC. And the motor then is probably 
bogging a bit because of over collective and because they're not managing the collective. So that's where I think if you have two motors, it would be a better option, like they did in the Fireball, because the Fireball they had the one motor and then they had the second motor, which is the competition motor, and then the people were happy, right? I think if they do that, a lot of that issue will be solved. Yeah, yeah, quite yeah. possibly. We'll see. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because how do you? So you put a motor in, you don't know the KV. So where where does the customer put their throttle curve? Example, no matter what governor you're using, you need to know where your sweet spot is, right, to get the best efficiency. So it's like putting a 26 tooth pinion on and, and flying at 60 head throttle curve. Your motor's going to bog, right? But that's where it's sold quite nice, quick and easy just to go and change a pinion gear rather than have to change an entire motor, though, right? Right. No, correct. So I, I'm not going to say it's going to die. I, I honestly, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's sort of a, it's a thought that I've had and just a question. And I don't know. I, I'd be, if, if that's the way it ends up going and then, and it's only going to get better if we, if, if they keep working on it, that's for sure. But we'll see. The you biggest know? thing is to Who get knows? a motor that's, because as you can see on the 420, the motor gets big, right? Yes. And it gets hit. It gets heavy, can get heavy. So I think for a 700 example, you it'll be challenging to find a motor that's the same weight as, as a normal motor and doesn't look like a pie dish, you know? So, yes. Okay. yes. If you remember, the Protoss had like a huge, look like a pizza on it. <laughs> yep. It's a dinner plate. So, yeah, crazy, man. Yeah. I, I know uh, a friend of mine years and years ago had a conversation with George's, the owner of Scorpion about doing something like that too, direct drive on a 700. And he was saying, sure, it's possible, but it's just not practical. And part of the reason was because, yeah, the motor would have to be absolutely massive. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, I think that we can um, we can leave it at that. You know, Paul, it has been great having you. Thank you very much. I know that it's uh, early for you. I know that you told us that you get up early, but still it's very early for you. So um, I really appreciate you taking the time to being here with us, uh, sharing your thoughts. And um, it was really, really interesting to have a conversation with you. No, likewise, uh, much appreciated. If you can, uh, whenever the podcast does go live, let me know and I can share it with uh, the people back home. And whenever you guys do venture this way, you're always most welcome. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. And for sure, yeah, we'll uh, we'll send you a link when uh, when yep. when the episode is uh, is uh, is released. It's gonna be released on the twenty sixth of uh, of February. We might need to talk about that after there, Paul Javier. Ah, come on. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about <laughs> it off the air. Okay. All right. All right. So we'll let you know, Paul. All right. You're welcome. All right, so thank you very much, and uh, I think that's it for today. Uh, it'll be a wrap, and uh, thank uh, I want to thank every every single one of us for our listeners that uh, downloads and listens to the to this podcast for putting it up with us every month for two hours. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Take care, and we'll see you next time. See ya.
bloopers and outtakes, bloopers and outtakes. And there was much rejoicing. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's not. It's not the water line. It's the valve. Okay. It's actually coming from the valve. So, uh, it's just the valves that are faulty. So I just need to replace mm-hmm. the valves. So it's. It's. I mean, it's not that I have an, an, you know, a leak that I don't know where it, where it's at. I know exactly where it's at. It's. Mm-hmm. It's exactly on the valves that are not are not withstanding the pressure. So that's a problem. Oh, that sucks. So, I know. Yeah. So I guess that we are. We're now. Free fall home improvement, huh? <laughs> I've just learned how to fix my kitchen and the dishwasher. Yeah. yeah. You guys have a lot of episodes. Yeah? I'm just having a look at the website, yeah, and uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff to go and listen to. Yeah, we've actually had some pretty good guests on over the years. I see that. It everything went down after they invited me to come on, but you know, that's <laughs> that's just what happens. Mm. Mm. 